Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm your host, Andy Mitt. I'm joined today by David Potter. How are you doing tonight, David? I am good. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. It's, it's been a while since we had you on the podcast. Um, we, we actually tried to get you back a few weeks ago, and stuff kind of fell through. But uh, how, how how's everything been for you? Uh, not too bad. I'm living in, uh, living in, in Phoenix now, which... I guess I was last time I was on the podcast too, so it's not necessarily new. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah you know, what's it like trying to watch anything KU related out there? I mean, do they do they show the KU football games? Have you been um, unable to use that as an excuse, like not being able to watch it? <laughs> you know, I I, I I can't get away from it. Um, Fox Sports Arizona, for whatever reason, has been showing the games that are on Fox Sports Midwest. So. Yeah, I have not had to miss one yet, except for, I guess, week one. I think everybody was, across the board kind of having issues with uh, with watching ESPN. So I, I only got to see bits and pieces of that one. Yeah, yeah, I think that was the only one that I didn't actually get to watch. Yeah, for some reason out here in Virginia, the, uh, the Orioles network, it's MASN, for some reason has KU football on on Saturdays, like all the time, which is really, really strange. You know, yeah. Out here where there's – Absolutely no interest in the in the Kings Jayhawks. Somehow they they managed to get it on there all the time. So really, really weird. All right. So let's go ahead and jump in. Speaking of Kansas football, the last game that we had up against K State this last weekend, I think everybody expected it to be a blowout when we went in. Um, were you really surprised to see Kansas able to keep it close? I I was. Um, I, I didn't necessarily think it would be like a 56 to nothing kind of blowout just because K-State's I guess they they had a decent offensive game against uh, Oklahoma but they, they just haven't looked real impressive especially with uh, Jesse Ertz out at quarterback and I mean if you just look at their season as a whole they just really 
they've had a couple of close games against good teams, but they haven't really done anything uh, all that impressive. So I, I didn't think it was just going to be a, a, you know, a total annihilation, um, but I definitely thought it would be more of a blowout than it was. Yeah, I think what kind of threw me for a loop is everybody I read was expecting Jesse Ertz to come back in this game, and so I figured that K-State was going to get a nice bump, especially after they showed so well against Oklahoma. Um, you know, I'm sure this was probably kind of a, a statement game or a, a game that had been circled on KU's calendar, so they were probably going to give a little bit more effort. Um, also, the fact that, that Stanley ended up playing quarterback this time, that I mean, I think that just naturally gives a bump when you have a new guy come in. Um, so yeah. a bunch of stuff kind of just all worked together to give Kansas a fighting chance in this game. Um, not that I really, you know, expected them to – to really turn it into anything, but, you know, for, for the first almost half of the game, I mean, it didn't seem like Kansas could do anything wrong except for, you know, punting to a guy that got a 99-yard kickoff return um, for a touchdown, which, you know, is really hard to kind of kind of plan for at that point. So, Right. Yeah, I, I think, you know, there, there may have been some psychological boost just uh, with Carter Stanley being in there, and especially I think um, – giving them some good plays on that first drive probably got them a little more confidence than what they've had the last couple of weeks getting shut out. Um, so, you know, they got off to a pretty good start, but, you know, just, I don't think there's anything more Kansas than, than following that up with giving up a 99 yard touch, uh, touchdown return on the kickoff. And I, I, this, you know, special teams were probably the difference in this one. Um, but, you know, I, I guess at least for once it wasn't the offense. I'd, I don't know. <laughs> you have to really grasp at straws to try and uh, find positives at this point, other than just, you know, the fact that they were able to uh, keep it pretty close. But, uh, yeah, there, there's just always, even if a couple of things go right, there are always going to be those frustrating things pulling it back down. Well, I mean, and I don't, I don't even think you can say it's defense this time either. I mean, I really was the special teams. You know, a 99-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. I believe there was at least two other shanked punts where, you know, we only got like 10 yards on the punt, which set up the, the offense on a short field. I mean, it, the, the special teams was really bad again. Um, it seems like Kansas can make improvements in one area and then, you know, every, everywhere else is just going, getting worse. So um, I, I'm not really expecting any of that to change. Stanley may give us, a you know, a boost, especially since, you know, he's playing a K State team that's had some difficulties recently, and now he's going to get to play Baylor. Um, you know, if, if if there's any kind of team that someone in a Kansas uniform can have success against, it should be a Baylor team that's been absolutely horrible this year. Um, Baylor is kind of like what you know, it's kind of that team that's been able to to keep games closer than I thought they would be. But even the games, you know, like they were at home against Oklahoma, and were able to keep that one fairly close. Um, but but for the most part, you know, they've been the same kind of story as, as KU this year, just in that, um, you know, they've, they've kept a couple games close, but most of their games, you know, were pretty much over shortly after halftime. Yeah, they, uh, they, they really, you can tell the, the recruiting has taken a big hit from the, uh, the scandal. And I think they're, you know, they, they, there was just so much turnover and, and they were having some issues uh, getting new guys in there. And yet, uh, they're still, I think, as of right now, eight-point favorites on the road in Lawrence. So uh, even you know the the tattered remains of the Baylor football program as it is today is still a road favorite over 
the, the third year of David Beatty's rebuilding project in Kansas after uh, their roster was uh, sort of decimated by self-inflicted wounds and the, the JUCO recruiting strategy that, that Weiss had brought in. Um, so that, I mean, it's just, it's, it's sad. <laughs> I mean, right. year, year three of Kansas trying to bounce back from having so few scholarship players on the roster and they're still worse than a program who's, you know, just now really feeling the, uh, feeling the, the, the negative, uh, fallout of, of, you know, everything that went on at Baylor. It's just, you know, we can't even, we can't even be better than, than Baylor with, you know, I, I don't, I don't even know what to say anymore. It's, it's just, it's so bad right now. It's, yeah, it's, it's laughable. It's bad. And I mean, honestly, you know, Baylor, Baylor, pretty much had an entire recruiting class decommit. They lost, obviously, the, you know, the people you would normally lose as seniors. Um, but they also had quite a few people transfer out. So, right. have, but yet they still, I think, have more scholarship players than we do, um, even even given all of that. Um, you know, but, I mean, there really is no excuse anymore for, you know, it's been, it's now been three years uh, since we were at that scholarship low. We've, we've been able to bring guys on. And even though we've been giving scholarships, some scholarships to walk on just to kind of, help boost scholarship numbers, we still have been able to bring in enough that we should at least have a respectable team at this point. So, all right. I think we're at the point again where we're just starting to depress ourselves with uh, KU football on the field facts. So let's go ahead and jump to um, one, one of the other big stories from the weekend. It was the, the, the I didn't realize that, this, that they actually were going to go ahead and go through with it because the Facebook campaign, uh, I'm sorry, the GoFundMe campaign didn't actually get all the donations that it was supposed to get for it to happen. Um, but a, a group did actually go ahead and, and rent a plane to fly a fire zinger banner over the stadium this past weekend. Um, there was a lot of actual, uh, I guess, angles to come out of this. Uh, you know, I, I heard, um, well, Beatty in his press conference when, when he was asked about it, uh, called it asinine, you know, saying that, and, and, and I wish this was not a direct quote, but it is saying, You'll never find someone who cares more about the university than Zenger does, as if that was supposed to be enough of a justification for keeping a guy on the job. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll let you get to that in just a second. I also heard some people or saw, saw some people complaining about, you know, those that flew the banner should be ashamed of themselves because there's no way that they can be a real fan for that. And there was other people complaining that, you know, we had, we had a guy in on a recruiting visit that apparently wasn't necessarily too happy seeing a banner like that. And, you know, we're going to drive all these great recruits away if we keep pulling crap like this. So there's a lot there to unpack. I'm going to let, let you go ahead and jump in where you want to first. But uh, what are your thoughts on the whole the whole banner flying um, and, and the reaction to it? Well, I'm, I mean, to say that they're not real KU fans just because, you know, they, they're that committed to wanting to see the AD out is, is ridiculous because – I mean, it, it's sort of that same argument to where, you know, you can't protest anything going on in the United States or you're not a, a true American. I, I mean, you can you, you can enjoy something and love something and, and still want to see a change for the better. And I mean, that, that that's all that's all they're saying. They're not saying they hate the University of Kansas or the athletic department. They're saying that Shane Zinger is doing a terrible job and should be fired for the better of the university. And I, I think that's. Uh, almost inarguable at this point. I mean, the the guy with with basketball being where it is and and not really being something that the AD has to be involved in at all. 
I mean, his next biggest job outside of fundraising, which I, I guess he's been doing a decent job of with the uh, the stadium improvements on the way. But, you know, the next biggest job is just to, to try and get the football team to be at least a passable product, and he hasn't been able to do that. Um, so to to say that it's somehow not supportive of the university to be upset with him for that and, and to want to see a change in that position, I mean, that that's just that's just people who are afraid to say anything bad about the university. It's just it's blind loyalty, and it you know it it doesn't surprise me because that's how fans are. But at the same time, it's still frustrating. But you know, I I, I don't as far as what Beatty said. You know, on one hand, you know, I, I wouldn't expect him to say anything else. I, I think it would be unreasonable to expect the guy to trash the AD. Um, you know, whether his his coaching situation is dependent on the AD or not. Um, so, I, you know, I don't mind that he stuck up, stuck up for Zinger. I, I wouldn't expect anything else. Um, but, you know, that, that quote that you mentioned that you know, I don't know that there's anyone who loves the university more than he does. Well, I, uh, I, I, that, that, the more I think about it, the more that bothers me because the guy engineered a contract extension for himself on the chancellor's way out right before Bernadette Gray-Little retired. He basically gave David Beatty a contract extension to buy himself more time at the expense of the university. I mean, most of the guy's moves in the last year have been to try and preserve his own job security at the expense of the athletic department, at the expense of the University of Kansas. So, I, you know, I don't really want to hear about how much he loves KU. I'm sure he loves his job. I'm sure he wants to see it succeed because he needs it to, to if he ever wants to be, or if he wants to continue being an AD and if he ever wants a shot at another athletic director job. But, you know, his actions have to, to match up with those words, and I don't think they do. I I, I don't see any sort of respect or love for the University of Kansas um, from a guy who, you know, is, is just trying to stay on the payroll at this point. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, I think you could potentially argue if you, you know, or I guess you, you can't really know what his true motives were. I think you could make the argument that, you know, he really does believe in Beatty, that he really does believe that this is the direction that they need to move on. But I think my real, like you, I think my real problem with the situation is that, you know, they're talking about how much a guy loves the university, as if that's the qualification that makes him a competent leader, that makes him the right guy to lead the athletic department moving forward. It's the same, the same problem that we had when Zenger, you know, brought Bowen in as the interim head coach because he loves the university so much, you know, because he's, he's, he's such a Kansas guy through and through. That's the same problem we had when we actually hired Beatty. One of the big selling points was, you know, he's an enthusiastic guy who's a Kansas guy, you know, first. Like, that's, that's the, big, the big selling point for him. And, and while that made sense, you know, coming off of Charlie Weiss, um, it, it, it's starting to look now like that is the main qualification that this entire athletic department is looking for. It's not a guy who's competent at a job. It's not a guy who, who can show results. It's a guy that can, you know, say all the right things, that can express a, a huge love for the university, you know, that always has a positive attitude. And these are things that just, while they're nice to have, you know, they're nowhere near as important as a guy who's actually competent. And that's what we're running into is that, we are using sunshine and rainbows from these guys 
to you know wallpaper over every all the issues that we have with the with the athletic department right now. Um, you know, I was looking at, and what I, what actually got me fired up about this was really. Um, I made the mistake of looking at the comments over on, on KUSports.com, um, you know, talking about this. And, you know, we, we had some guys that were basically saying, you know, he says, regardless of how one feels about Zinger, his, his opinion is that flying a fire Zinger batter above the stadium shows a total lack of class, which, I mean, is, is really a bad argument in, in the first place. It's like, what, what other ways can you get the kind of uh, engagement or, you know, make sure that people actually get a chance to see it? Than by making a public spectacle of it, you know, and that's why. And, and again, I, I don't, I, and I know we don't like to get political on the podcast, but you know, that's why NFL players are protesting during the national anthem because it's a time where everybody is going to notice it. It's a time where people will actually hear what they have to say, um, or or at least pay attention to the fact that they're trying to say something. So, you know, to to, to say that making a public spectacle of it, doing something like that is classless is not really a legitimate argument at this point. It's that's how you get the attention so that people can have a meaningful dialogue about it. Um, you know, I mean, and, and then moving on, you know, another guy said that, um, you know, whoever flew the banner, I'm expecting that sort of punk behavior at Missouri, but not from Jayhawk alumni. But what we have to realize, you know, is just the fact that, you know, th- this happens all over the place when usually when you see something this drastic, this public display of, you know, you need to fire someone, um, it's usually because things have gotten really bad, that a lot of people have tried to make their voices heard, especially fans, and they're being completely ignored. I mean, that's the point that we're at at this point. You know, we've been leading the, the, the fire zinger charge here on the podcast and on the site for a really long time, and we've gotten tons of pushback, and, and you know, people are finally starting to see the problems. But it's taken us, you know, absorbing a lot of abuse from people, um, absorbing a lot of horrible comments from people just because they want to keep up that positive attitude of KU in general. Um, You know, that's the problem that we've been having. The only way really to to fight that attitude is to make sure that we keep the issue front and center. I think the banner is a perfect way to do that because it's a big spectacle that anybody that goes to the – to the to the stadium has to see and then it gets talked about in the news and you know it gives us another talking point um there's no there's no way that you can call something like that classless because the entire point of it is to get that conversation started it's not like you know someone wrote on there um talking about bad qualities about zinger it's not like you know they were calling him names or you know spreading lies about what he's actually done no all they were doing was asking for accountability for what he has actually put on the field. And, you know, he came in here seven years ago and said that he was going to fix football, and we have not seen any results. He can give us as much, you know, as much optimism as he wants, but that still hasn't turned in anything on the field. And until we can see some legitimate progress, I I just don't know how anybody can get upset with another KU fan for wanting some accountability. And I think a a good point that you mentioned is, you know, they – you know, fans don't really have a whole lot of options for making their voices heard on this sort of thing. Um, but I think that's it's even more important that they they try right now because there is a new chancellor at the university, and you know he's he's been there a little while now, and so I'm sure he's getting a read on the feeling of the alumni and uh, of the fans. But you know this this is kind of a crucial time. I think the longer 
uh, Zinger stays in place, the, the greater chance there is of him ending up being the, the, the person who decides whether to pull the trigger on, on getting rid of Beatty, if that's what needs to be done, and then hiring the replacement. I, I think that's why most fans uh, are, are more... Uh, are, are targeting Zinger's job a little more so than Beatty's right now because they want somebody else to evaluate the program. And and with a new chancellor in place, I think a lot of people, you know, in just about any position are going to be reluctant to come right in to a new job at a new place and immediately fire one of the people right below them. Um, so I, I think it's especially important that fans get their voice heard and, and get that message out there so that he understands just how bad it is and that, that we need to see this change sooner rather than later, even if, you know, I'm sure it's an uncomfortable position to come right in and, and be, you know, considering uh, giving an athletic director the boot right away. But, you know, it, it it needs to be made clear that it is that bad, that fans are that frustrated, and that people really want to see a change, and that this is really a, a big deal to people. And it, it's not just some whimsical, oh, it's a, it's a bad, we're having a bad football season. So we just want to see, you know, people fired for, you know, just, just to uh, make ourselves feel better or whatever. I mean, I mean, this is a, a real problem that's been going a long time and fans are really upset. And, you know, if, if that means that flying a plane around the stadium is the best way to get that message out there, then that's what they need to do. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm just going to go ahead and uh, jump back up and, and jump back into my rant for just another minute here. Um, but, you know, I want to make sure that everybody understands that, you know, I'm probably as big of a KU fan in all KU sports as you could possibly be. You know, I honestly, even though I probably have plenty of opportunities to get out of watching games with all the activities I have with my kids, I still make it a point to watch games, not only because I want to be able to cover them when we're talking about them here and on the site and things like that, but honestly because I just love Kansas athletics. You know, I was I was cheering for Kansas against K-State, even though I know that a win probably makes it harder for us to make changes that we need. I really want to see these guys succeed. I love David, David Beatty as a person. You know, I love the enthusiasm that he brings. But we are just not seeing the results that we have to see on the field. And we know that, you know, we've, we've been a bad enough team for this for as long as as really we can afford to be. We have to start seeing some progress before it gets too late. There's been a lot of talk about, you know, if, if we don't see legitimate progress here soon, what's going to happen the next time that there's realignment? It's possible that Kansas could find itself outside of the power conferences if football is this bad, if they are that bad of a draw. You know, I mean, Kansas was, the, the Kansas game against TCU was the lowest rated game in primetime college football history. I mean, think about that. It, I mean, it is the absolute worst performing game, and that's not because of TCU. TCU was a really good team. The game was just not a good draw at all. If, if you know, a, a feel-good story like TCU, a team that was undefeated at the time, you know, came out of nowhere, had a big upset Oklahoma State, there was a lot of excitement surrounding TCU. If they can't overcome the rating sink that is playing Kansas, what is going to happen when it comes time to decide, you know, where is the next realignment? I don't think anybody can, can really think that the Big 12 is going to last, you know, for 20, 30 years down the road. The next time there's realignment, the Big 12 is probably going away, and Kansas has to find a way to get itself into a power conference, or they're going to have all kinds of problems with their entire athletic department. And so this is a very crucial time. I, I absolutely love Kansas sports. And it is 
vital at this point that we find a way to fix the football program because if we don't, Kansas Sports as we know it is not going to be around very much longer after realignment. The, the, the basketball team will, will still be good, but even then they won't have the kind of financial resources that they're used to having because a lot of that money also comes from football. Yes, the, the Kansas basketball team does make money, but if they are the only thing that we have to make money for the athletic department, it's going to be a huge drain on them, and there's no way you can expect the basketball program to remain as, as good as it is. So, I mean, this is, a, this is of vital importance to the athletic department as a whole. You know, I, I, I really wish, obviously, that we had a really good football team and that, you know, Beatty and Zanger could get it turned around and, you know, starting next year, we, you know, even, even just had, you know, six or seven wins and made a bowl game or something like that. I would be ecstatic. I have nothing against these guys personally. I just know how important it is for us to fix the problems we have in the athletic department and with this football program. And it is vital that we do it now instead of waiting another two years for Beatty to completely flame out before we hit the reset button yet again. Yeah, it's probably another conversation all to itself. I, I, I'm not on the uh, the football drives realignment bandwagon. I, I don't necessarily that that's not really one of my issues or one of my reasons for for wanting this done right away. I I just I don't like seeing the university being a laughing stock. And when you've got uh, Dan Levitard on his radio show bringing up Kansas football just to talk about how bad it is, you've got Matt Leiner just busting out laughing trying to talk about the Kansas offense uh, during the halftime show of the TCU game. I mean, that, that's where we're at. Like, people are starting to notice now. I think for a long time, it was just, you know, KU's a basketball school, no one cares about the football team, whatever. At this point, it's so bad that I, it, it's literally a laughing stock. People are actually laughing at us on national television. And, you know, that that's unacceptable. I understand that Kansas does not have a lot of built-in advantages in terms of football recruiting. Clearly, they they can overcome those and have success if you look – at guys like Glenn Mason, Mark Mangino, uh, but there, there's no excuse for it being this bad for this long. And, and that's part of the reason that, that Zenger needs to go is that two of these last three coaches that have been just utter and complete failures in Lawrence, uh, you know, that those decisions were on him. He, he made those decisions. He made those hires. He handed out those contracts. And he's shown no real evidence that, you know, the next one's going to be the winner. We don't have any reason. You know, he hasn't really made any other significant coaching hires other than those two football coaches, and, and they've been they're just terrible. Um, you know, it, it's at a point now where, you know, something has to change. It can't be, you know, the University of Kansas can't keep making making headlines and, and, and you know, being at the topic of conversation on even national radio and television shows as, as a joke. I, I don't care how good the basketball program is that you can't, you know, that, that casts the university in a bad light that casts the athletic department in a bad light and just telling everybody, well, David Beatty just needs more time is, I mean, it's absurd, especially when you look at what Matt Campbell's doing in his, his second year at Iowa State. They're in the top 15 right now in year two. And they weren't quite as bad off as Kansas was, was especially right after Weiss was fired. But they were not good. <laughs> that was that was not a good football team, and or at least they didn't look like it based on what the previous coaching staff under Paul Rhodes was doing. But they get Matt Campbell in there, and just right right off the bat, you saw improvement last year, and now they're a legitimately good football team this year. It can happen a lot faster than we're being told it can happen. 
Um, because I think it, it all just goes back to Zenger and Baby want to preserve their jobs at this point, which I don't blame them for. And, you know, everyone wants job security. No one wants to, uh, you know, lose out on, on a job that says, uh, as powerful and has the earning potential as, uh, you know, an athletic director and a football coach at a major university have. I don't blame them for doing everything they can to keep those jobs, but it's clear that it's not working and it's clear that we can do better. You know, Iowa State did better just a few few hours up by 35. So we can do the same thing and, and just continuing to settle for the, the dumpster fire that the program is right now is, you know, it's not going to motivate anything to change. We're just going to continue to see what we're the same. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, what's even more stark about that is the fact that, you know, Iowa State, it's not like Matt Campbell came in and got a really huge recruiting class in his first year where he's putting that recruiting class together. No, he's dealing with a lot of the recruits that were really already in place from his predecessor. Uh, you know, he brought in a few guys, but the mo- most of what he has there are two or three star guys. And I mean, he, he was down to his third string quarterback and the guy is lighting it up. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, it's, it's not like they have a bunch of, um, you know, talent on the bench or, or a bunch of guys that they've stockpiled and, and turned it around. No, they, I mean, talent wise, they probably were just, were just barely ahead of where we were when Matt Campbell took over. And uh, he's been able to scheme around what they have. He's been able to take the guys and put them in his position to succeed, which is what we thought, you know, Beatty was going to be able to do or what Beatty was going to be able to bring in guys to do. You know, the, the idea was that um, Likens that we had, you know, previous year and, and Meacham this year, we we expected these guys to be able to come in and put guys in the right position. Um, you know, there was a story coming into the year about how Meacham preferred guy, you know, preferred guys at quarterbacks who were more mobile, who were quicker thinking on their feet, kind of fitting in the mold of more of what Stanley can do. Um, but the air raid offense that, that Beatty wanted to run and that Beatty, you know, had recruited Bender in here for um, fit what, what Bender's skill sets typically are. Um, you know, so, it, I mean, it, it sounds like the, the entire coaching staff at this point is dysfunctional in the fact that they don't, they're not a unified coaching staff. They're not, they're not clear in the direction that they want to go. And, and it's, it's obvious at this point that when they're evaluating talent and, and evaluating how they can fit that talent into a scheme, that they're just not doing a good job of it. And that's got to be something that, that changes before we're really going to see any kind of um, improvement on the field. I mean, we have, we have, honestly, three or four guys on that defense who are, are good enough to be on the all-conference team. Uh, but none of them are even going to sniff it, obviously, because our defense has been absolutely horrible this year. Daniel Wise, Dorrance Armstrong, Joe Deneen, and then Mike Lee, you know, in this last game has come on really strong too. But those are guys who are consistently performing um, and, and being graded by places like Pro Football Focus as, you know, very talented defensive guys, even elite defensive guys. Um, I mean, every one of those guys has been on a national defender of the week, you know, team from pro football focus at least once this year. So it's not like we have a bunch of guys that aren't talented. We have a lot of talent on this defense and we just haven't been able to put it together in a scheme that can stop anybody. So, all right, well, I I will let you get the last word if you have anything that you're just dying to say on it. Otherwise I think we'll go ahead and move on. Oh, and I'll just briefly kind of build on on the point you were making there is that, you know, I, is there enough talent on this team to make it a seven and five team? Probably not. Right. You know, like you said, Armstrong, Wise, Deneen, Lee are all good players. Um, and I, offensively, you know, Khalil Herbert, uh, Steven Sims, Ben Johnson, 
uh, you know, there, there are good players. And outside of a few individual big performances here and there, we're just not seeing much out of them. And so that leads me to believe that there are probably other good players on the team that probably aren't even being recognized as that. It, you know, I, I, I can't believe that there isn't you know, just a, a good coach, not even a great coach, but a good coach out there that couldn't coach this team to, you know, a 4-8 and eight season. Not, again, not, nothing great. Nothing better than what we're seeing right now. Better than a combined 88 nothing scoreline against TCU and, and Iowa State in back-to-back weeks. Uh, it, it, it's clear that this coach is, coaching staff is not going to get is not going to maximize the potential of what they've got. And I think that's maybe the biggest indictment of, of, of them overall, just because with that being the case, you're, you're, that's not going to change. You know, it's year three. It's no longer the players. It's not recruiting. I mean, this coaching staff is what it is. They're not going to, no matter what kind of players they get into Lawrence, they're not going to make this a good football team. So it's time to move on. All right. So let's go ahead and move on. Um, Obviously, you know, this is going to be coming out on Tuesday, uh, the same day that Kansas basketball officially opens up their exhibition schedule. Um, I'm not counting that one that they had about a week ago because, you know, it was added last second. It wasn't really on their official schedule. So um, they're opening up, I believe it's, it's Pitt State, is that right? Um, yeah. Playing tomorrow on Halloween. So while my kids are out trick-or-treating, um, I'm going to be missing the, uh, the, the first action that I could be seeing. Uh, Kansas basketball. So, I mean, I don't know that there's really too much we can do in the way of preview. Um, you know, I'm expecting guys to get going and we're going to see a lot of good plays and I'm wondering how fancy people are, are people are going to try to get. Um, but I mean, just how excited are you that we can officially say that basketball season has started now? It, it's always a big time of the year. I think, I think for every KU fan, especially in recent years when, you know, the rest of the fall, we haven't had a whole lot to cheer about. But, yeah, that, that's always an exciting time, even if it's just me plugging the laptop into the TV and, and watching on uh, uh, watching on online on the US, uh, through ESPN. Um, it's still, you know, KU basketball is appointment viewing. It's just it's whether they're playing Pitt State or Iowa State, you know, it, it doesn't matter. So, yeah, I, I'm excited for this time of year to be here and excited to see a team with quite a few. It's going to look pretty different from what it did last year, with no, uh, you know, no Mason, no Josh Jackson, and and we've got some brand new players who're going to factor in pretty heavily with uh, guys like Garrett and Newman that we haven't uh, seen play in, you know, any real games before. So I think there's uh, there are some unknowns that I think will be uh, interesting to to watch unfold. Yeah, which which one are you uh, most interested to see? Do you think? Um, yeah, as far as the new players go, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see Newman just because of the, the scoring potential. Um, but uh, something else I'm going to be watching with this team is just how Devontae Graham handles stepping up because he's never been there without Frank Mason in the backcourt with him. So I, I'm really interested to see what this year's version of Devontae Graham is going to be without uh, Frank Mason, without a, you know, a, a more dominant point guard next to him where he's really – going to be the guy, if he, even if he's not leading the team in scoring, he's going to be initiating things, and a lot of it's going to fall on his shoulders. So I think he's capable of handling it, but I think it'll be interesting to watch uh, you know, how he goes about leading this team as the next point guard. Yeah, I think Graham has kind of always been the, uh, the Robin to Mason's Batman. Um, you know, there's times where 
you know, um, Graham has been able to, to, to be featured and kind of be the guy here and there. But for the most part, it's been Mason's show to run for the entire time that he's been there. So, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what he can do, who he relies on to kind of be that, that, that second option for him. Um, I, I still kind of stick by my, my argument that I think Graham is going to focus a lot more on creating for other people uh, than he's necessarily going to be for uh, making his own shot like a lot of, of people are used to. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I'm definitely excited to kind of see it get going. I think Azubuke, um is going to get going pretty quick, um, but it'll be interesting to see who else develops down there. If, if Preston comes along as quickly as people think that he can, um, or if we're just going to have to be going with those, those four-guard lineups for a lot of the beginning of the year as well. So um, There's a lot of storylines, obviously, to still play out. There's a lot of us to kind of learn about this team. Um, but as always, it'll be really exciting to, to see that and actually have a team that we think can, can actually perform and do something really well. So, All right. Um, any other KU basketball thoughts? Uh, no, I don't. No, I don't think so. I, I think we'll get a lot more here in the coming weeks. Yeah, I agree. I think we'll. Uh, I, I, I know we're we're planning on probably talking about what we saw taken out of that game um, on the on the Friday episode of the podcast. I believe that that Fetch is going to try to be on there for that, so we can talk about that for sure. Um, but for now, let's go ahead and move on. We'll finish up with a with with something good here. I know um, you you being down in uh, in Arizona now. You're actually really close to an NBA franchise. I know, I know, and actually one that has has KU players on it. So, I, I know you were you were talking the other day about actually getting to go and see that. You want to just kind of tell us a little bit about what that experience was like, what it's like to see these guys in the NBA, and um, you know who you got to see and 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 how the experience went. Sure, I'll, I'll give a quick shout out to the uh, Phoenix uh, KU Alumni Association chapter because they're the ones who actually put it together, and it ended up kind of I think being a bigger thing than they even expected. Apparently Phoenix is one of the top 10 biggest uh, metro areas in the country of for, for uh, KU grads, which I, I did not know. But um, they got a guy, I think Danny Woods is the name, from the actual alumni association at the university uh, who actually flew down there to be a part of it. Um, so with it being a little more organized, we actually got to see, because it was uh, Phoenix and Sacramento. So uh, of course, Josh is playing for the Suns and then Frank Mason plays for the Kings. So they actually arranged for Frank and Josh to kind of come talk to the group. And we got a, a picture on the floor after the game. So it was, it was a pretty neat experience. Um, as far as the, the game goes, uh, you know, Josh Jackson, you know, even just as a rookie, uh, I think he, he's going to be a lot of fun to watch because you can see the athleticism on display. Uh, he's, I, I think, even a little ahead of where I thought he'd be defensively this early in his career um offensively you know he's got some he's got some improvements to make you know his handle needs to get a little better I think he just needs to get a little more comfortable in the NBA offense and what he can and, and can't be doing um but you know he's still the same player still you know laughs and jokes around on the court but he's also obviously uh pretty fiercely competitive too um, but just, uh, you know, even in an NBA game, you know, he stands out as being uh, a great athlete. So I think he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Frank, I don't know if he's played in a game yet. He hadn't yet when uh, when they were in town, and he didn't get into the game against Phoenix. Um, but uh, so all I really got to see of him was, was warm-ups. But, um, you know, I, I'm hoping that he'll get into the uh, – get into the rotation at some point in Sacramento because I, I feel like 
there's just so much basketball talent there. He's got to find a way onto the court. He may never be a starter, but I, I feel like he's got to find his way onto the court eventually. Yeah, we actually were having the discussion a little while ago about how, uh, you know, he was he was actually their leading scorer, I believe, in, in the preseason. And, you know, they, they really uh, um, promoted the crap out of that um, all over social media. So I, I expect that he's going to be the kind of player that will stick around for quite a while just because he's going to find that, that niche of coming off the bench and, um, you know, being able to kind of find a, a place for himself. So, all right. Well, um, I, th- I think we'll go ahead and leave it at that. Did you have anything else you want to talk about before we uh, end, end for the night? No, I think we've uh, we pretty much beat football into the ground at this point. Yeah, yeah most of basketball is ahead of us, so uh, hopefully, yeah, things will uh, will get more positive from here. Yeah, we have been speaking of positive. Hopefully, we can get more positive too for the, uh, the the volleyball team. They actually had a tough loss to Iowa State over the weekend as well. So once again, it seems like the football team is you know dragging the mood down and. and Unfortunately, some of our other teams aren't really able to, to buoy it back up this year like they have been in the past. But, um, you know, Iowa State is always a, a tough a tough matchup in volleyball for KU. They actually led us two sets to nothing um, here in Lawrence before we came back and won in five sets. So I wasn't really expecting it to be an easy, an easy match for them. Unfortunately, they weren't able to pull it out. Um, but, you know, we've got, we've got a few other teams coming up. I believe we have Baylor again. Uh, this week, or actually, it might be mid next week. Um, I know they have a break coming up here, but they are going to be facing Texas again before we know it. And volleyball season will be winding down here pretty soon, and then we'll be getting ready for another tournament run, hopefully. So there's a lot to be excited about coming up in the future. Unfortunately, KU football is just not one of those things. Um, we we will be back on Friday. For all you listeners, uh, probably talking a little bit about KU football against Baylor. Uh, we might actually have a little bit more of a preview just because I think this is our last chance to get a win for the rest of the year. Um, we'll be breaking or we'll be recapping and kind of talking about what we've seen in the exhibition. I know it's just an exhibition, but again, it's you know our first real look at KU basketball, so it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. So um, make make sure you join us for that Friday episode and. Uh, Thanks thanks for joining me tonight, David, and thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Rock Chalk Talk Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.